We're going to continue this morning with our sermon series that we've been busy with. And um, if you haven't been or haven't heard what we're doing, we're doing a series called At the Well. And uh, the sermon series is about our intimacy with the Father. Amen. So if you've been enjoying our sermon series, I've been enjoying it. I don't know about you, but, but we're almost done with it. This is our second last week. This is week four. Last, uh, next week is week five. We're going to finish with that. And um, we probably, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to s- still chew on this for a while because uh, God has been really, almost, how can I say, arresting me with this, you know, um, with the scriptures and this heart. I mean, just challenging the place of intimacy with Him. My theme of my sermon today is when your bottle is empty. When your bottle is empty. And, and we're going to look at a place of breakthrough in our lives. So let, before I run ahead of myself, let me start with a question this morning. Wouldn't it be amazing to live in a world that is happily ever after? Think about it. We're life, a life with no problems at all. No struggles concerning finances or material things. Divorce is never mentioned because it doesn't exist. Disease is never a problem because our bodies are always in perfect health. Imagine every home and family is just filled with joy and pleasure. No fights, no disagreements, no offense. Doesn't sound amazing. Imagine you're going to bed every night and fall right to sleep because there's nothing to worry about. Waking up the next morning feeling energized because you know that nothing can go wrong today. Now we can think, we can imagine, imagine, we can dream, we can wonder how such a life would be, but I I have to be honest, such a life don't exist. (laughs) It doesn't. Well, see, the kind of life we see every day, unfortunately, is a kind of life with broken dreams, with grief, with stress, with disappointment, with having a broken heart, with discouragement, feeling lonely, maybe depression. All those things sound familiar because most of those things we have experienced. Now, it's amazing. Yes, amazing things in our lives do happen. It's not just the grief and, and the, the doom and gloom amazing things do happen but not all the time sometimes it feels that the rough things in life outweighs the good things i don't know if you've ever been in that place in your life i've been there a couple of times but i've just like lord (laughs) i know you're a good god it's amazing you do good things but it just seems that all the tough things in life is outweighing the good things that i experience am i speaking to some of you here this morning It's in that place where you feel that my bottle is empty. That I feel like, Lord, I I feel a bit dry. (laughs) I'm wandering around in the wilderness and the desert. I have a water bottle, but it's, it's empty. And I'm thirsty for more of you. It's like the little child's book that you get on the shelves. I don't know if you've ever seen it. They actually just made a movie of this. It's called Alexander and the Terrible, Horrible, No Good, Very Bad Day. (laughs) There's actually a book. Do you know that book, Leanne? Yeah. It's actually a book like that. They just made a movie. It just came out. It actually looks like a very funny movie. But the story actually goes like this. It says, Alexander wakes up and he realized he fell asleep with gum in his mouth which is now in his hair. 
On his way out for school, he trips over his skateboard and he falls with his jacket falling into the sink that's running with water. Wet. During that day, he had to go to the dentist that didn't go well. His mom had to take him to the shoe store and he had to buy shoes that he didn't like. They had beans for supper and he didn't like beans. <laughs> there was kissing on TV and he don't like kissing. His bath was too hot. He got soap in his eyes and his marble rolled into the drain. His brother took his pillow and his nightlight blew out. And Alexander sighed and he said, I think I have to move to Australia. <laughs> it's actually a funny book. <laughs> now if you are here this morning and maybe you feel like Alexander, that nothing can go right in my life. I feel a bit empty. There's a lack of breakthrough in my life. And I don't know what to do. Maybe you're here this morning and you feel like that. You say, Lord, I just trust you for breakthrough, but there's, there isn't. Then I, I, I believe you're in the right place this morning. If you're listening to this sermon or you're just here this morning, that I believe that God wants to touch our hearts this morning. Now we're continuing with stories of wells in the Bible. Now I want to I jump over to Genesis 16. It's a story of Abraham and Sarai before she became Sarah. Um, before God changed their names. And, and a, a woman with the name Hagar. So let's read it together. Now Sarah, Abraham's wife, had not been able to bear children for him. But she had an Egyptian servant named Hagar. So Sarai said to Abraham, the Lord has prevented me from having children. Go and sleep with my servant. Can you think that? Goodness me. Perhaps I can have children through her. And Abram agreed and say, with Sarah's proposal. So Sarah's, Abram's wife, took Hagar, the Egyptian servant, and gave her to Abram as a wife. This happened ten years after Abram had settled in the land of Canaan. Now we all know that Abram and Sarah received a promise from the Lord. Amen? You all, we all know that. They received a promise that he will become the father of nations. That he will have descendants as the seashore and as the stars. But ten years along the line, there was nothing yet. Nothing. Have you ever had a promise from God and, and you think after two months, like, Lord, where is this promise that you've given me? My goodness. I mean, you've been promising me all this, this amazing prophetic word, but it's been two months, I've seen nothing. How about six months? How about a year? How about ten years? I mean, goodness me, waiting so long. And we've spoke about waiting. But see, how many of us, after we've waited for God for so long, decided to make our own plans? And maybe we should just help God out a bit. <laughs> Does it sound familiar? Lord, maybe just, let me just help you. So helping God on a bit, you know. Boy, God just wants you to trust Him. You see, gold, the gold in this, is not in the waiting for the promises. But it's in what happens to our hearts and our faith during this time of waiting. So we think it's the waiting. No, no, it's, it's what happens to your heart while you wait. 
we're actually talking about intimacy in this, in this, this series now. Now let's talk about intimacy between a husband and a wife. <laughs> now when there's intimacy between a husband and a wife, close proximity is important. You need to be close to each other. If you're not close to each other, there's no intimacy. Now, now sometimes you can sit next to each other, or somebody you don't know, or somebody, but you don't feel close to them. Have you ever felt that? Maybe you're in a train or a bus and you sit next to each other and you don't feel, I don't feel very close to you. Now the reason why this happens is because the relationship lacks intimacy. So I can sit next to each other, doesn't mean I've got intimacy with them. But there can be people that you have relationship with and intimacy with. Now, if I'm talking about intimacy, I'm not always talking about sexual intimacy. I'm talking about intimacy as a friend, as in fellowship, and, and to know someone in a familiar way, as I said, what the definition of intimacy is, if you go and listen to the first sermon. But I can have a relationship with someone who's thousands of kilometers away, but I still feel close to them. Why? Because that relationship has intimacy. I know them. I'm familiar with them. They're a friend. They're a spouse. They're a child. Now one of the vital ingredients needed to have true intimacy, guess, it is trust. We need to trust each other. They need to be trust to have a level of intimacy. Now as soon as our level of trust or faith lacks, we know that our place of intimacy is dry. Sarah and Abraham probably had a dry moment. They had a dry moment in trusting in God's promises to come to pass. Waiting for 10 years. Abraham being in his 80s, Sarah in her 80s, thinking, I don't think I can have children anymore. Maybe we should just have, make a plan here. Let's, let's just help God. Maybe we've missed a fine detail of God's promise. Maybe we should have done this long time ago, Abram. Think about it. I read the scripture the first time and say, here, Abram's wife comes and says, maybe, I, maybe you should sleep with my, with my slave girl. <laughs> and then you can have a child through her and then, then at least there God starts something. But as I read through some commentaries and, and I read through the word, it was actually common practice in the Old Testament where women were barren and they took their, their, um, their slave girls or their um, servant girls, that's the right word, and they gave them as a wife to their husbands to have children and when they have children, the, the wife will take that child as her own. It was actually common, common practice. And that's why Abraham agreed. It was common practice. But it was a dry moment in faith where they should have stood on that promise and said, no, God has promised us something significant, something amazing. And I want to encourage you this morning, maybe God has given you a promise. He's promised you something significant. Something that He will not go back at. You see, God was so invested in the promise that He gave Abraham and Sarah that although they did something very stupid, he still blessed it. Think about it. The mistake that they made was still blessed. So much so that we still see the fruit of that mistake today in the Middle East. But in a moment like that, in that dry moment, 
where we have a dry moment in our faith, we, we don't know, Lord, why am I waiting that long? Then the enemy comes with doubt. Have you, have you experienced that? He comes with doubt in the promise. He brings doubt into the picture because of circumstances, social pressure. Think about it. Sarah was old. She was barren. Now, it's a circumstance that's like, are you sure you heard God correctly? Social pressure comes. Like, oh, God gave you that promise. Now, where is it? No, 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 it's happening. I'm, I'm going to do it tomorrow. No. We have to wait and not doubt. Now, let's read on. That's a sermon on its own, so I don't want to go too much in that. Let, let's read on. And if you go to verse 5, it says, Then Sarah said to Abraham, This is all your fault. I put my sermon into your arms, but now that she's pregnant, she treats me with contempt. The Lord will show who is wrong, you or me. <laughs> Abraham replied, Look, she is your servant, so deal with her as you see fit. Then Sarah treated her harshly, that she finally ran away. But then I love this. The angel of the Lord found Hagar beside a spring of water in the wilderness along the road to Shur. The angel said to Hagar, Sarah's servant, where have you come and where are you going? I'm running away from my mistress, Sarah, she replied. The angel of the Lord said to her, return to your mistress and submit to her authority. Then he added, I will give you more descendants than you could count. Isn't this amazing? Now, let me make a couple of things clear. Hagar was an Egyptian servant. She was not a Christian. She, she, she was not a Hebrew or a Jew. She, she, she was not a believer in God. She did not know God. She did not know of the promises God gave to Abraham and Sarah. She was just obedient to her mistress. To be honest. When your mistress comes to you and you say, and, and your, your boss or your authority comes to you and says, I want you to do this, you're obedient. Even Paul says, in Ephesians says, slaves be obedient to your masters. It was a common practice. But to be honest, I think Hagar saw an opportunity. She also saw an opportunity to become more than a slave. Now, it's not, it's not easy to be, to be a slave, to be honest. Your life does not belong to yourself. You have to do whatever everyone else says. To be a slave, is, there's no freedom. There's no freedom. But as soon as it happened, Sarah became jealous and harsh towards Hagar, and she ran away. But then amazingly, God met her at a well. And what did he do? He gave her a promise. That was the first time she met God. She even called the well Bel Aloy or something. I'm not sure. I'm, I'm, I don't want to make a mistake. But it says, it's a place where I met the one who sees me. But it's so amazing how God came in her distress, in a moment where she ran away. Did you know when a slave ran away, the owner was eligible to kill them? That was the, the severity of her running away. But she sat at that well, at that spring, and God comes. An angel of the Lord comes and said, where did you come from and where are you going? And she says, I'm running away because of this harsh treatment. And then he says, wait, let me give you a promise. 
Isn't this such a prophetic picture of Jesus? How Jesus came and he gave us a promise on the cross. And what did the promise do? It freed us from slavery and it placed us into sonship. Isn't that amazing? See, in that moment, God gave Hagar a promise. And he says, go back. I'm giving you a promise. The child you are bearing, by the way, you're pregnant. The child you're bearing will have descendants. What did he say? I will give you more descendants than you can count. See, God was invested so much in Abraham and Sarah's promise that even their mistakes were blessed. Isn't that amazing? See, that is grace right there. That is God's heart right there. By showing us, although we make mistakes, God will work to everything together for the good. For those who love Him and live according to His ways. You see, we, we, sometimes we beat ourselves up because of the issues and the problems and the mistakes I made. Lord, what if I make the wrong mistake? Well, God will still bless Him because He's a God of your promises. So He comes and He gives Hagar a promise. See, when we face hardships or a wilderness moment, the best place is not to go and sit at the hairdresser or for men to go to the pub or to go to someone and, and we just need to pour out our heart. No, the best place is to go and sit at God's feet, at the well, at a place of intimacy where we will receive a promise or God will remind us of the promises He's already given us. You see, we look for places for people to encourage us. And it's natural. I love people encouraging me. But sometimes, when you're in a, in a dark, deep place, when things doesn't, when you're Alexander in a very bad, super bad day, don't go to the hairdresser and speak to her, because they, I mean, go to God. Go to Him first so that He can encourage you with the promise that He's been given you already. That He can remind us for who we are and what He's called us to be. I ask myself this question all the time. Every time I've been reading through all these things, why always at a spring or a well in the wilderness? <laughs> Think about it. Every story we've read, every story we've looked at, every, every person who was in a tough spot, Jacob, Moses, now Hagar, every time they were in a tough spot, what happened? They end up in the wilderness at a well. Why? Because a well in the wilderness is a place of life. It's a source of life. Whenever we in a wilderness moment in our lives, remember that we will find life, we will find that spring, that well, that oasis, that place of intimacy with God at the well. So what happened then? Let's fast forward a bit. So Isaac was born. And as Isaac was born, the day he was weaned by his mother, that's what the, the Hebrew, Hebrew nations did, when the child was weaned, they held a festival. So at the festival, Sarah saw Hagar and Ishmael mocking Isaac. And she was furious. And she went to Abraham and said, Abraham, I am over this, that Isaac is your true seed that God has given to us. 
to have descendants like the sand of the seashore, but I'm not going to let Isaac share what God has given to him with Ishmael. I need you to send him away. She forced Abraham to send away his wife and his son. That must have been tough. Now let's read on. Genesis 21 verse 14. So Abraham got up early the next morning preparing food and a container of water and strapped him to Hagar's shoulders. Then he sent, sent her away with her son and she wandered aimlessly in the wilderness of Beersheba. When the water was gone or ran out or the bottle was empty, she put the boy in the shade of a bush. Then she went on and sat down by herself about a hundred yards away. I don't want to watch the boy die, she said, as he burst into tears. But God heard the boy crying and the angel of God called to Hagar from heaven. Hagar, what, are, what is wrong? Don't be afraid. God has heard the boy crying as he lies there. Go to him and comfort him, for I will make a great nation from his descendants. Then God opened Hagar's eyes, and, and she saw a well full of water. She quickly filled her water container and gave the boy a drink. What a great scripture. Now, there's two defining things that happened here. Two defining things. Very important. Number one is they were sent into the wilderness. Now, to be honest, it must have been tough for Abram. Just send away his wife and son. He must have known they, they might not make it. Because he knows the territory. It's a desert. So I think that's why he woke up early in the morning when Sarah didn't know what he was doing to give them food and water. And to stop the people from talking. Oh, what are you doing? Must have been shocked to Hagar. Waking up with Abraham giving her food and water and said, Bye. I think Abraham was crying his eyes out, to be honest thinking that he's the father of nations. He's got a heart for his firstborn son. So what we need to know is that Sarah commanded Abram to send him away, but it was God who directed that decision. He spoke to Abram to yield to Sarah, Sarah's command. Now, there's a scripture that I didn't show you there that said that when Sarah went to Abram and said, I want you to let him go, in that evening, God came and he spoke to Abram and said, I want you to be obedient to what Sarah's asking. And because God spoke to Abram in the evening, he did it in the morning. He let them go. So we think, how could, how could Abram do this? But see, Abram was just yielding to God's plan, to what God was planning. It was God's decision to take them. God ordained for them to go into the wilderness. You see, sometimes in our journey into a wilderness season in our lives that we can't understand what God is doing. Maybe it's His plan. Maybe God is planning something to mature us. You see, when we are in a wilderness and in a desert, what are you thinking about? Survival. You're not thinking about a promise. <laughs> to be honest. If you've ever been in a wilderness situation or in a very tough challenge in your life, all you think is survival. You don't think about a promise that like, I'm walking in this desert, but I'm thinking, no, you're thinking survival. You're knowing that if this water container is empty, there's a chance that I will die. 
See, but God always have a plan to lead us to a life source. Always. Now we need to understand that Hagar and Ishmael, they hit rock bottom. Rock bottom. I mean, think about the scripture. She took the child, threw him under a bush. <laughs> Literally, some scripture says she threw him under a bush. <laughs> and she walked away 100 yards and she started crying because she didn't want her boy to see her boy die. Now, they were totally depleted. They were dehydrated, probably. And they both broke down and cried. It sounds like someone who knows that the end is near. Now, what I want us to understand, what you need to realize is when Ishmael was born, Abraham was 86 years old. 86. When Isaac was born, Abraham was 100 years old. That makes Ishmael 14 years old. Now, since Isaac was born till he was weaned, was another four years. Let's give and take. Because they said in the Hebrew culture, it take, took a mother in between three to five years to wean a child. So let's take four. That makes Ishmael 18 years old. 18 years old. It's not a boy. It's not a four-year, five-year-old boy that she had to carry. This was an 18-year-old man. He went into adulthood a long time ago. Now for an 18-year-old boy or man to break down and cry, this must have been serious, to be honest. This was not, they've wandered for two hours and the water is done and now they're crying. Now they probably have wandered around for a couple of days in the sun. Because I was thinking about this. How can, how can they just break down and cry? This is not, I mean, just look for something. Just walk in the direction of a town or something. But this was serious business. They were lost in the desert, in the wilderness. See, so many times that we have to walk through a wilderness season in our lives or a challenge in our lives. Some is short, some is long. And it's not fun and games. But what God do during those times just show His amazing character and His love in our lives. What He's about to do as they break down, show God's character and His love. His grace, His mercy to Abraham's mistake. So number two is, second defining moment is, they saw God's breakthrough. They saw God's breakthrough. Now, just before a breakthrough in our lives, sometimes things break down. Before every breakthrough, there's a breakdown. I don't know if you've ever had a big breakthrough in your life. It usually comes just before a big breakdown. I always say you, don't, you can't trust God for breakthrough if there was no battle or no challenge in your lives. Now, I don't always know why, but if we look through the Word and stories of men and women, they all went through a bit of a breakdown before we saw a breakthrough. If you look at David at the cave of Abdullam, he had a breakdown moment. But in that breakdown moment, there was a breakthrough moment for him. His men wanted to kill him. Moses ran away for his life. He met God at the well. There was a break, breakdown, went to a breakthrough. And so can I go on and on and on. Now Hagar and Ishmael just had a breakdown. And then what happened? God showed up. I don't know why sometimes, but in the toughest 
most dark, darkest, deepest part of that, that hole you're in, God comes. In some moments, it's earlier, but <laughs> most of the time, it's in the toughest space you're in. And then what happened? An angel spoke to them. And he said, first thing, he first asked her, what is wrong? And then before she could answer, he said, don't be afraid. Look at it. But God heard the boy crying and the angel of God called to Hagar from heaven. From heaven Hagar, what is wrong? Don't be afraid. <laughs> Don't you want to just to answer what is wrong? No, he just jumped on and said, don't be afraid. Now in such tough situations in our lives, fear play a big role. Fear play a big role in our lives. Lord, I've been trusting you for this. What now if nothing happens? See, fear blinds us from what God wants to do. Have you ever been to a place where fear just grips you to such a degree that you, you can't hear God's voice? You can't hear, I mean, I don't even hear what people are saying. I'm just fearful. See, fear is, the, is one of the biggest weapons of the enemy to keep us away from God's promises in your life. Think about your promise that God has given you and then think about every time you feared or had a fearful moment of what if, if it doesn't happen. I love the scripture where Paul encouraged Timothy who was paralyzed by fear by leading a church where people was giving him a lot of grief. And he gave him this scripture. and we, we have used this before. But I love the scripture. It says, God has not given you a spirit of fear, Timothy, but of power, love, and a sound mind. Now we all know that scripture so well. But see, what we sometimes miss is, in a place of fear, we do not have a sound mind. I'm just fearful. You don't think clear? I always say, high emotion, low clarity. You've, you've heard me say that before. So when your emotion is high, the fear is high, I have no clarity on what's happening with me, or what I need to think, or what I need to do, because you don't have a sound mind. See, the moment when God spoke to Hagar, I think she immediately experienced power. She was crying, breaking down. Suddenly, the God who spoke to me at the spring, who gave me the promise, spoke to me. I think she sat up straight like, yes, Lord. There was a, a moment of encouragement. Power came. What did he say? Go and comfort your son. Let's go back. Go and comfort him, for I will make him a great nation. What happens when a mother comforts a child? There's love. And as soon as she showed love, she had a sound mind, and God opened her eyes and she could see her well. See, sometimes we are gripped by fear in a place where your bottle is empty, where you have nothing left. You're walking around in the wilderness. You're in a desert moment in your life, in your job, in your career, in your finances, in your, in your relationship with your children, wherever you are at. You're in a dry place in that moment and your bottle is empty. The food is gone. You don't know what direction to take or what position to take, but you know I'm, it feels like I'm dying. And then God comes and says, don't be afraid. Go show your boy some, some love. In a moment where she showed love, you see, perfect love cast out all fear. When she showed love, God came 
and he released her from fear. She had a sound mind and he opened her eyes to see her well. You see, Hagar was upgraded from a bottle of water to a water well. Isn't that amazing? Don't you feel sometimes that I've been running around with my bottle of water, you go and sit at the well, you fill it up, and now I wander away from the well because I've got God. And you wander away and then, and then you say, let's see, how long can I wander away from the well, the place of intimacy from my Lord, before my bottle gets empty? I've been there. Yes. Instead, God wants us to sit at that well. Not to be limited by a water bottle, but to have the abundance of a water source. See, sometimes in our lives, we're running around like, Lord, I've got water. I've got your water with me. I'm... No, no, go and stay at the source. I say so many times in my life, I've tried to fill my bottle up and see how long I can wander away till I come back and fill up again. But God wants us to stay in that place of intimacy where we get nourished by His presence daily, no matter what you do, where you go. I can sit at the well while driving in my car on the way to work. I can sit at the well in a meeting, talking about things. I'm still at the well. I'm in rest. I'm in His presence. Don't wander away. Stay at that place of intimacy. The enemy will always try to drag you away so that fear comes and you get to that place and that moment of breakdown. That's the enemy's master plan, to get you to a place of fear so that you wander away from your promises and that you don't have a sound mind so that you can't see the well. See, Hagar and Ishmael never left the desert. If you're going to read the scriptures. Ishmael became a strong man, a rough man. He was good with a bow and arrow. And we know today that, that the nation and the, the descendants of Ishmael is the Middle East, where they still war today. But they never left the desert. Why? Because they stayed at the water source. They stayed at God's promise. God's promise became a reality, and they had enough water to last them a lifetime. So if we look at the Bible, what Jesus has done, we will see that there is happily ever after there is everything is good it works out well we just need to keep on going make sure we sit at the well nourish ourselves and as we sit as his feet close to him at the well guess what our problems and our issues and our worries and our bad days will become small as God becomes big you see, if we're wandering around with the water bottle, then the problems and the worries becomes big and the water bottle becomes small. And we're scared and fearful because we can't empty this. But if you sit at the well, there's an abundant source that keeps us nourished. Amen? Let's stand together. I want to pray for us this morning. Lord, I want to pray for every heart here this morning, every person, maybe someone who's listening to the sermon, maybe someone who's not here this morning. And Father, I want to pray that, Lord, that you'll open our eyes to see the source of life, to see the more than enough, to, to take our eyes off the water bottle, the limited supply, and take our eyes to a place where there's limitless supply. Lord, I pray that every fear 
will fall off of us like rags. If you are here this morning, you are really struggling with fear. Would you just put your hand on your heart or your hand, whatever you position you want to take. Maybe you want to put your hands in the air or, or just a place of surrender. But, but if there is fear in your life that's keeping you away from the promises that God wants to give you, we want to stop that today. I feel the Lord says, it's done. Now it's finished. I did not call you to fear, be fearful. I've called you to be faithful. And Lord, I pray that, that, that we will not look at the water container anymore, but we will sit at that well and be nourished. And that we will see a big God and small problems. Lord, I pray that you will remind us today of every promise that you've given us. So Lord, I pray that today is a shift. A shift from a place of fear to a place of promise.